This is HPR episode 2801 entitled Guitar Setup Part 1. It is hosted by NY Bill and is about 29 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Any Bill talks about setting up a guitar. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Bill and I'm here with uh, a guitar-related HBR today. It's well, it's still going to be hacking a bit because we're going to be tweaking on the guitar, not uh, playing it or teaching it. But I was, geez, I start a lot of my podcasts like this. I was doing something online and saw this. Why did I see this online? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I saw this and I kind of I didn't laugh, but like you know, ha! I wonder. I wonder what I could do with this. I wonder if I could take a very inexpensive Fender and make it play as good as a like $1,000, $2,000 American Fender. So I, I happened to see this in the corner and it was $269 delivered free. I don't know if you consider that a lot, but you know, as far as guitar goes, as I'm concerned, you know, for... Uh, you know, your electric's going to be, a nice electric's going to be a thousand, twelve hundred bucks pushing up. If you're going to go for like a Gibson Les Paul, you're going to be getting into like, geez, two thousand, twenty five hundred. If you want like a Gibson ES American, then you're starting to creep up around four thousand. You know, guitars can get very expensive. But I'm wondering if you can find like an inexpensive they got to be out there. I haven't been in a guitar store in probably 20 years. I, I've been, any guitar I've bought, you know, in the recent past has been from online. And I've, I've been playing guitar for, geez, I'm really old now, quite a long time. <laughs> and in that journey, I restored a guitar, uh, 1956 Les Paul. And I had to, the, the Les Paul was, I, we were, my friend and I first got our apartment. This was probably, oh, 1991-ish or something like that. A friend and I decided, you know, it's it's time to move out of our parents' house. And he, he wanted to as well. And I said, well, why don't we get an apartment together and then it'll be cheaper. So we couldn't afford furniture. I'm just di- digressing here because this all comes back to guitar. We couldn't afford furniture. So, like, you know... Friends or family on both sides gave us a couch or, a, you know, a, a table, or, you know, something like that. And in the town we lived in, there in the spring, they do like a, uh, you know, a spring clean. You can put anything at the curb and the, uh, the trash man will come and take it. So we decided to go out at 8 o'clock at night when everybody put their trash out and see if we could find anything that we could put in our new apartment. And like we found a lamp. This lamp ended up shocking me. That's guitar-related as well. Jeez, I'm going to have to digress twice. Uh, 
and we found like an end table. All right, the guitar shocked me. Once we get in the apartment, I'm playing an amp, and if you touch the strings, you're grounded. And the lamp was an old, like 1950s, two prong plug, and someone had wired it wrong up in the socket so that the neutral, which should be on the outside of the bulb, and the hot, which is just the little pin on the bulb, that was backwards. So the neutral was making the whole, or the, the reversed wiring of it was making all the metal parts on this lamp live. And the neutral was in the middle. And I'm holding a guitar once in that living room. And I reach over to turn on or off that light. And I touch the metal of that lamp. And boom, 120 volts through me. The, the amp goes, and well, my whole body did as well. Okay, we go back. The digression goes back. You're going to have to follow this. Like, what are we on? Uh, so we're driving around. And for some reason, we kept finding bowling balls. And we took a whole bunch of bowling balls. And we were like, we had like 20 bowling balls. And we're in his driveway, like pretending it's like pool and making them knock off each other. You know what you do way back when you're like 20 years old and you can't even afford a beer yet. You just do weird things. Or we found beer. <laughs> More than likely, we, we had found beer and we're playing with bowling balls. Uh, so... I'm in the passenger seat, he's driving around, and we take this turn, it's dark, I think I had a flashlight, and I'm looking in the garbage, yes, we were out garbage picking, and in the corner of my eye, I see what looks like a headstock of a guitar, and he keeps driving, he keeps driving, I go, hey Bill, his name is Bill as well, uh, just go around the block one more time, let me go see what this is, and we, we come up on it, and it is the headstock of a guitar, and I put the flashlight on it, and I look closer, and it says Gibson. So immediately, this is going in the car. Whatever the heck this is, it's going in the car, and we're taking it home. So I get out. I you know, take some garbage off from either side of it, and it's a Gibson Les Paul. The kicker is it's burned. <laughs> the thing was burned. So near as I can tell, there was a house fire here. This was a 1956 Les Paul, and it was in the case. The back, the mahogany in the back got some singeing. The top seemed okay. All the binding was gone. Every uh, mother of pearl dot up the neck and the binding there was gone as well. It was like all melted away. Some of the mother of pearl was in there, but it was like shrunken and brown and like curled up. So that got burned. Uh, up in the Gibson, the G was gone. The I was gone. The dot over the I is still there. It's like, you know, original equipment. Uh, the B, the S, everything. And then the end of the N was still there. The neck was completely warped. And the fretboard was pulling away from it up to about the uh, seventh fret. So the neck was going backwards. And the fretboard was going forwards. Now, this might seem like a lost cause to you. But as like a 20-year-old kid finding a 1956 Les Paul, I think the serial number was 6... And then there was a little space, six, space, one, one, six, space. It was either six, space, one, one, six, six, or six, space, one, six, six. I remember making a joke to my friend that it's got three sixes in it, so it was supposed to burn. But anyways, uh, I took this thing home and we, you know, I put it on a table and I was just staring at it for a long time. And then it dawned on me, why don't I try and restore this thing? And it took 
like years. I had to, you know, find out where to buy Mother of Pearl and find out how to cut Mother of Pearl and find out how to shape it and inlay all those in and find out how to do binding, uh, sand the whole thing down. I had to do, figure out how to fix the neck, which was just loosen up the truss rod and that straightened out the neck part of it and then glue the fretboard back to it. You know, the binding, uh, I couldn't really do paint very well back then. So it was like, I spray painted it black and it had the, you know, the original cream binding. I found all the, ori not original, but uh, like period replacement stuff on a place called Stuart McDonald's. And I've used them quite a bit over the years. They sell uh, guitar making supplies. Some people say they can be a touch expensive. That's, you know, if you want to keep looking, there's like Allied Luthery and, uh, geez, what's that really inexpensive one? Uh, guitar Fetish. That's a really inexpensive one where, you know, you can get ex inexpensive ha hardware and stuff. Anyways, I've kind of been out of the scene for a while. I, I still build here and there, but I haven't built one in quite a while. Uh, where the heck was I going with that? Oh, so if I realized like a few years after like getting that guitar playable again, that geez, if I just did everything to this guitar, except for cut out the body shape, why don't I try and build my own guitar? So this was 20 years back. I started amassing, well, not amassing tools. I didn't buy a whole entire workshop to begin with but i would use like any tool i could find at my grandfather's or and i did start building guitars first starting with electrics and then eventually acoustics so if you look around on my media goblin or even i had a uh, Flickr account and somehow Flickr over the years has changed ny small b i l l to capital ny space Capital B-I-L-L. I, I don't know where that happened or who did it, but I, don't, I haven't used it in years. But if you look there, you'll see a Telecaster that I built as well. I was trying to uh, recreate uh, the original Telecaster, 1952, was it? Blackguard. Uh, okay, we go through all that to say, that was 10-minute ramble just to say what I'm going to say now. I was online somewhere and I saw the inexpensive... Squires, uh, and I thought, can I get one of these fairly inexpensive guitars and make it play as well as something that's going to cost a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars? It's in my hand now. I open it up. I've always liked Telecasters. This is a Squire Telecaster, and I've always liked the original. Uh, I don't know how close this is to the butterscotch, but. This is that yellowy butterscotch, but I, however, I like uh, rosewood fretboards. Just personally, I, I can play. You know, maple's fine, but just for some reason, I prefer. I don't know, looking at it or touching it, rosewood. So it came in the box, and I was expecting like a bit of a wreck. Uh, inexpensive guitars I've seen in the past, like screws will be crooked, things won't line up, the neck will have like a crack next to it, the finish will be junk. I was really shocked with this guitar. This guitar is in good shape. The neck feels fine. The finish all looks good. All the hardware looks good. Uh, I, I haven't plugged it in, so I don't know. Sometimes they cheap out on the, uh, the pickups, but uh, it plays good already. Uh, it stays in tune. The interesting thing with this, this might be where they're doing some uh, 
cost cutting. It doesn't have any finish on the neck. It seems like, well, I don't know if it's, it's almost like a oil finish. So it's, it feels almost like wood. It's very smooth, but that, I find that's really good for playability. So I guess what I would do to this guitar, besides, I don't know if in the future I would, I, I probably won't keep this. I'm going to give it to like one of my nephews or my niece. What it does need, what I find it needs is the frets aren't polished. They scratch. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, let me get the... So if I play this note, and can you hear like scratching? They, these should be like a mirror finish. So the first thing that needs to do is uh, these frets need to polish up. A lot of cheap guitars come with a very cheap plastic uh, nut. This one seems to have something like a cor corian or whatever they call that, like a fake bone. So the nut seems good. I like the height at the nut at the first fret. Uh, let me check the relief. Uh, the relief is higher than I expected. So the relief is controlled by the truss rod and it's the, the, the curvature of the neck. And you want a little bit of relief. You want the neck to uh, kind of bow, is that the right word? Bow up. It's to uh, get, so when you bend the note, it would, uh, it would short out, short out. It's for playability. When you uh, bend a note, it would, uh, if, if you didn't have any relief, you're going to hit that next fret. The next fret in front of it is going to kill the note. But this has like a fair amount, more than I would put on a setup. The other thing is the string action. It's good. It's playable, but I think I can get it lower and faster. So I'm going to have to take this down to my workbench, cut the strings off it. I'll talk about uh, masking the neck. I'll talk about polishing the frets. I will talk about changing the bridge height and doing intonation and uh, setting the relief on the neck. So let's do all that. And I'll, uh, I'm saying let's do all, like, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm upstairs. I got to go downstairs. And I'll see how well I can get this this one playing. I have a 96 American Strat. I can, uh, you know, use as a comparison. I play that all the time. So if I can get it as good as playing that one, that one plays very nicely. And I also have a, it's either a 1993 or 1994, they call them MIM. It's a made in Mexico Telecaster. That one is the only guitar I bought brand new and I still have to this day. So uh, that one plays very nice as well. There's a rumor that when they were setting up the Mexican factory, they didn't have the facilities to make necks yet. So those very early MIMs, Fender America was, well, they were, they were probably only, you know, what, 100 miles apart. One's in California, one's down in Mexico. But the American factory was sending down American necks because the Mexican factory uh, didn't have the tooling to do necks yet. So some of those early, early 90s made in Mexico fenders were coming with an American neck, which is all like, they are nice necks and it was all nicely polished. That guitar plays very nice. So let me see if I can uh, get the, I can, I, this scratch drives me nuts. I suppose you could call it sustain. You could just keep scratching this thing and the sustain will stay there. But no, we're not doing that. So all right, let me get this down to the bench and uh, I'll talk about it some more. All right, I'm down here in the cellar. Uh, 
I just put a towel over my wood workbench just so I don't mar up the finish. I also use a neck cradle. It's another thing you get from guitar supplies. Oh, the other... What was the other place you can get guitar parts? It's going to come to me. Anyways, it'll come to me. So now that I'm down here, the Telecaster that I made from scratch is here as well, and the, the yellows are different. Let me take a picture. And uh, the one, so the lacquer that I used on the, uh, the 52 Blackguard that I made years back, I got from a place called Re Ranch, and they make, you can get, they re, what do you, what do you want to say, re-blend? They make old guitar colors, and you can buy it as either, uh, you can get like quart, or you can get a rattle can. So, this one that I got, I'm going to take a picture here in a minute, was the butterscotch, the old original butterscotch, and those were ash guitars. This new one, it I don't know what's underneath it. It kind of looks like Alder. Adler. Alder. But the yellow is too buttery. Maybe it's just like a moderate. Maybe this is not butterscotch, but some other thing. But I'll, let me see if you can tell the difference. Yeah, you can see the difference. So in this shot here in the front is uh, the butterscotch, and in the back is the yellow, the kind of more butter yellow. I do like that you can see the grain through the uh, finish on the squire, though. So, usually on these inexpensive, well, inexpensive guitars, they use almost like plywood. They may have done that here. I haven't opened it. Maybe I'll open it later. I gotta get the strings off first. What they'll do is, uh, the whole entire inside of the guitar will be like layers of plywood, and then on the top is just a thin laminate of like a decorative wood and on the back is a thin laminate of decorative wood and then the sides which I'm looking at now you can't see through the sides so there could be laminates there that no they're not I can see through the sides and this is a stacked set one two three four five six well much more than an American Americans use like two or three No, so far, so far, like for the price of this, this is decent. This is not like a piece of plywood unless they've gone through an awful lot of trouble to try and mask it, which would just increase the cost. This looks like I'm not sure what type of wood it is, but it's a solid, it's a solid guitar. So the first thing to do is I got to get these strings off. Just I'll take the tension off. And once I get the tension off, I want to look at the neck relief again, see if it's changed. So the neck relief, no, it still seems like a, quite a bow, a back bow. So goodbye strings. Oh, if you're doing an acoustic, don't do what I'm doing. Change your acoustic strings one at a time, so you're not stressing out that top. Solid body guitar, you can just clip them just like this. I don't know what type of strings these are, too. Let me get these strings off. Yeah, they didn't, uh... They didn't go out of their way to secure the string on the post. 
There's a technique to that. That could be an HPR all by itself. All right, strings are off. There is no garbage. Garbage. The other thing you do not get. Look, oh, yeah, you do. I was just going to say you do not get uh, any hardware with it. But, yeah, there's the Allen wrench. The two Allen wrenches. Oh, good. The two Allen wrenches. I was just looking in the garbage when I threw the strings out. And the, some of the packaging is still there. The packaging that was going over the headstock. And here is the Allen wrench to adjust the truss rod. And here is the Allen wrench to uh, adjust the bridge. I'll need both of those. set those aside so the first thing yeah, this is a decent nut whatever the material is it's not like cheap cheap plastic the first thing to do to uh, buff up frets is to mask the fretboard and you do that with just that ordinary blue painters tape which I don't know where mine is oh yeah it's on the floor where else do you keep it what you also need though to do this is scissors. I keep scissors over here because this is two inch painter's tape and you could get smaller I suppose, smaller painter's tape. But as you go up the fretboard, you know, the frets are getting closer and closer together. You got to start cutting this stuff in strips. Yeah, it's too, it's even too big for the, uh, the very first fret. So let me just, uh, you cut it in half and just uh, overlap it. So I, I got a cut edge that's ragged. I got a straight edge right off the tape. So I'll put the straight edge right at the nut. The ragged edge is on the first fret. And then the straight edge from the tape and have the ragged edge overlap the other tape. So I'll do a few of these and I'll, I'll take a picture and show you. Yeah, I can see now it's like a minimal. Uh, they probably leveled the frets and then they did a minimal crowning. I don't know if I'm going to recrown these. I might. I have a crowning tool. Crowning is putting the after you level the frets, they're all flat on the top and the crowning tool is like a file that is convex and it will uh, put the the ridge. Jeez, I don't have any terms for this stuff. It's just all in my head. It'll put the fret ridge back in, the round over. Okay, so like if I stop here, uh so here's the the first three frets masked and if you see on the third fret how I cut the tape and that ragged edge I just put the straight edge up at the second fret and then let the ragged edge head there hang there and then I'll put the straight edge of the same piece of tape I cut on the third fret and let the ragged edge you know just overlap that tape do that all the way up the neck and uh, I'll stop talking here and I'll do that all the way up the neck so as I was uh, masking off this squire neck, I looked to my left and I realized that that 56 Les Paul is over here in a case. I suppose I could take a picture of it. Oh, dropping the recorder. Let me open this thing. It's been a while. It's uh, sanded back down now. I had a cheap, not cheap, but uh, I had the closest I could find to a gold top from guitar rattle or a uh, car rattle can so like go to the automotive place 
and I found like some gold with gold flake and I, I spray painted the whole thing and it never looked right. But when I found that re-ranch company, I uh, found that they had gold top paint, uh, lacquer. So I ordered that and when I ordered that, I sanded this thing back down and I thought, you know, all right, I'm going to do it properly. I think I sanded it in uh, the fall. But I have to wait till late spring. Like, I have to, when I do lacquer, it's a, it's a whole spray rig. It's out in the garage. And I, you got to wear a mask with lacquer because it's pretty harsh. And I spray a quick coat on a guitar. And then I open the garage doors to let the, the air go out. I don't have, a, like, a proper ventilation area. But anyways, here is the, uh, let me get to the camera. This is the 56 Gold Top. At the top, you can see I'm doing a repair. I don't know if you can zoom in on this. Well, I can just take a uh, take a snapshot here. So there's the original head. You can see how worn off it is at the top. The uh, the Gibson, like I said, only the end of that N and the uh, dot over the I is original. What I'm doing here in the uh, where the tuners go, those were so worn out from the years that they started to like wiggle and just make the wood warp. So I've got some uh, maple dowels in there, but they're not just maple dowels. They are maple sandwiched with mahogany. So on the back, you see mahogany. And on the top, you see the proper maple. That gets stained black up at the top. Uh, down here, so there are the original soap bars that came on a 56. And if you look in those cavities, that's the original gold top paint. I, 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 didn't, I didn't take any of that off. And down on the bridge one, you can see where I started writing. This I was like 20 years old back then, so this thing's pretty old in its restored state. It still smells really cool. I started writing the uh, serial number, but that's faded. So it looks like it might have been 61166. That's possible. The... What went wrong here, I, when I got it, I went down and grabbed my father's 35mm uh, camera. This is back in the film days, but I didn't really know how to use it. So I took his camera, and I took a roll of film, and I loaded it the best I knew how. And I took pictures of this guitar burned, and in its terrible state, with you know, the expectations of restoring it, and then showing you know, the, the before and after. But not knowing how to load that 35 millimeter, I guess I didn't have the uh, film over on the wind, that wind spindle. So I closed the camera up and I started winding and the top of the camera says you're on, you know, picture one. And I took a picture. What, I never got that film up on that spindle and it never started winding. So I took, you know, 24 pictures and then brought the film to a place to get processed and the lady goes, you know, there's no pictures on this film. So... I kind of regret that. I do have other pictures like during the restoration, but those are actually like pictures. I would have to scan them if I showed anybody. Like pictures before we did these quick pictures with our phone. So anyways, uh, I just finished up masking the, uh, the Squire. Here's a picture of it uh, masked. And it's getting late. I have to go start dinner soon. So I think this might be like a two or a three-parter because I'll... Uh, I'll talk about setting up a guitar, uh, getting the, the frets leveled and buffed and all that, and setting up the truss rod, 
setting up the bridge, the differences between doing this with acoustic and electric. This could be, uh, yeah, this could take a couple of parts. So, all right, I'm going to leave you hanging there. Till next time, guys. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.